2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. The text says, Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We're treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown, and yet well-known and as dying. And behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your heart also. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the scripture today that we've just read. We ask you to guide the preacher that we might be instructed in your word for Lord we need the food of your holy word so feed us and nourish us in your truth teach us Lord how to live our Christian lives before you we commit this time with thanksgiving to your blessing Amen Amen. as we've just read this text today we can summarize it in three words. It's a message about love, commitment, and self-sacrifice. These character traits were deeply embedded in the Apostle Paul in his service to Christ and his people. And these three words, I believe, are a good summary of the life and ministry of the once zealous Pharisee who turned into a Christian preacher by the grace of God and his life was then crowned and full of love, commitment, and self-sacrifice. He loved Jesus Christ supremely, but he also loved Christ's people. Whether they were Jew or Gentile, whether they were slaves or free people, whether they were rich or poor, whether they were educated or uneducated, He was absolutely committed to following 
the Lord Jesus Christ and serving him in the proclamation of the gospel and in the establishment and maintaining of Christian local churches. The text here begins, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then we appeal to you. This is very interesting, but it's entirely consistent with what we've been reading in 2 Corinthians. And uh, even in 1 Corinthians, this idea of Christian servants, workers, laboring together with God. Amen. He's given us a special uh, place, responsibility uh, to work with him in the work of the gospel here on earth. For example, in Matthew 16, verse 20, we read after the resurrection that they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So they went out to preach, but they weren't doing it alone. The Lord, the risen Lord through His Spirit, was working with them. And back in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, Paul said, We are God's fellow workers. You're God's field and God's building. God has given us the privilege of serving Him and serving His church and being participants in the worldwide gospel mission of the church. Um, There's a famous book by J.I. Packer called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, and one of the main things it teaches us there is that God in His sovereignty calls people out of the world, and He does it through us, through His servants, as we proclaim the gospel the Holy Spirit calls people out. So we work together with God. Now Paul says, working together with him, verse 1, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Well, you remember in the previous passage, we we studied something about Paul making these appeals to the people he was writing to. He was trying to persuade them to believe in Christ, to follow Christ. Uh, in the previous passage he said we're ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God so we saw that Paul was not timid to use persuasion all of his mental strength and ability and logic and knowledge of scripture to try to persuade people to come to Christ, to implore them to believe in Christ. Well, evidently though, there were still some people who were lagging behind, who were reluctant, who were not committing themselves to Christ and to his gospel. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up. So there's this exhortation. Yes, it is the sovereignty, the electing purpose of God that calls people to himself, but there's also a responsibility on our part to respond to God. Book of Hebrews, see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And then Peter says in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election 
For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fail. So we have a certain responsibility to, to be sure that we believe that we're in the faith and that we're following Christ. You remember that uh, famous passage in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Work out your own salvation. I believe, I believe it's verse 13 and 14. Work out your own salvation, for it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good purpose. So God works within us, and we work it out with all of our human effort. Well, Paul goes on, and he says here, uh, now, for he says, verse 2, in a favorable time I listened to you, in a day of salvation I have helped you. Well, what he's doing here is he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8, which has similar words. In the time of favor, I've answered you, and so forth. So, uh, behold, now, the scripture says, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, Paul is saying, I believe here, that, well, there's this great quote, right, that um, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61. And he goes into his home synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, and they hand him the scroll, and he begins to read from Isaiah 61, which says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord's anointed me to bring good news, to, to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So Jesus is saying, look, the favorable year, the year of Jubilee, the time long awaited has finally arrived through my ministry. It's time to embrace the Messiah, to believe in him, to follow him. Well, now is the favorable time. This Messiah has come. He lived. He died. He rose. He ascended to heaven. Now the message of salvation is being proclaimed throughout the earth, and it's time for men and women to respond. Make no delay. See, the coming of the Messiah into the world was the great sign, the long-awaited sign of Yahweh's favor to the human race. The divine rescue mission had begun, begun in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So Paul is saying, now is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Embrace the gospel and commit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now he goes on in verse 3. Uh, well, let me make this. Okay, here's the, here's the major, major first major point I want to bring out in this passage. It's the three major ideas that I see. The first major idea is that Christ must be embraced as Lord and Savior today, immediately. Okay? Uh, sometimes you might we might hear evangelists saying this. You know, today's the day of salvation. Well, there's some a lot of truth in that, you know. Uh, no man knows how long we're going to live. We might have one day, we might have 10 or 20 years. So a person who's not a believer 
needs to make no delay to run to Christ to free to flee from the wrath to come. Now, in verse 3, Paul writes, We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. So Paul is saying here, we are not stumbling blocks in any way to people coming to Christ. On the other hand, we are trying to foster, promote, and encourage people to come to Christ. Uh, Paul says, for example, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll not ever eat meat again. And he says in 1 Corinthians 9.12, he says, he's talking about the fact that he as an apostle had the right to be paid a salary. He had a right like Peter to take along a believing wife if he wanted, but he abstained from all these privileges and rights he had in order to be a useful and more useful minister of Christ, to be entirely devoted. So he was willing to endure all kinds of losses so that he would not be inhibited in his service to Christ. When he was with the Thessalonians, for example, he said, I didn't eat anybody's bread without paying for it. But I worked day and night so as not to be a burden to any of you. And then he goes on and he says, as servants of God. But as servants of God. Well, this is a, a great phrase here, servants of God. Uh, sometimes we might throw that word around a little loosely, but to be a servant of the living God is a tremendous calling, blessing, and responsibility. Amen. Uh, for example, Solomon, when he began to pray in Second Chronicles 6.14, King Solomon, he said, O Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. So what is a servant of God? Here's a pretty good definition. People who walk before the Lord with all their hearts. Okay? That's a servant of God. Now, another example from the Old Testament. Daniel, chapter 3. If we know anything about Daniel, we know that he was a true servant of God. Uh, and then there were these three men who were living in Babylon, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar commanded everybody in the nation to fall down and worship the golden statue that he was made. But these three Hebrews refused to do it. So the king brought them to the fiery furnace, and he threw them in there. In fact, the soldiers that were throwing him in the fire, they all burned up. The fire was so hot. He heated up, I think, seven times hotter than ever. But the king looks in there and he, say, he said, Behold, I see a fourth man in the fiery furnace, and he is like the Son of God. And so he calls out. He says, the king calls out, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And they came out of the fire. So he knew, he called them by the proper 
name, servants of God. They were loyal to their God. They were faithful to God. And Paul describes himself. He says in Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. He puts his servanthood before his apostleship. He was a servant first. And then out of that servanthood, God called him to be apostle. Now, he goes on here in verse 4. He says, We commend ourselves in every way. What does he mean by commending ourselves? And he begins to list a whole bunch of ways in which he had served God. Well, if we look at all these ways that he served God, he outlines his lifestyle in the following verses, his suffering, his godly dedicated service that he and his fellow apostles lived out through their ministry. He's not bragging about how he was able to endure all these hardships, but he wants them to see, to understand objectively, objectively and clearly the kind of service that they were absolutely committed to under God and for the good of the people among whom they ministered. Now, there were people who were going around trying to tear down the apostle and say negative things about him to undermine the people's confidence in Paul. Paul had to defend himself. And he did from time to time. We commend ourselves in every way. And he gives some examples of his sincere ministry. For example, in the earlier part of this letter, he says in 2 Corinthians 1.12, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. So this was a way he had been serving among the Corinthians, with simplicity and godly sincerity. And he says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So the apostle and his fellow, uh, his fellow workers completely threw away, threw aside any kind of cunning, any kind of deceitfulness. They were open. They declared the truth. Their consciences were clear before God and their sincere service before the people. He said, we only want to know one thing among you, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he says, we commend ourselves. We want you to look at our ministry objectively and see the way we've served you. He says, by great endurance and so forth. So the second major point that I want us to see here in this passage today is that Paul and the other apostles' credentials of sacrificial service testified to their genuineness as true ministers of Christ. In other words, Paul says, look at me. What you see is what you get. <laughs> he was open. He was honest. 
He was faithful. He is true. Well, he says, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. Well, we know the apostle had great endurance. One time when he was writing to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So he was telling Timothy, who he had trained in the faith, to endure hardship. The apostle endured hardship. Another translation says endure suffering. Paul says in another place, share, as he's writing to Timothy, share in sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That scripture has come to me many times over the years when things were tough. And I was weary. And that scripture would come to my mind. Endure hardness, that is hardship, like a good soldier of Christ. Well, that's what we need. Encouragement from the scriptures to endure when it's not easy. He goes on. We commend ourselves not only in endurance, but in afflictions, hardships, calamities, and so forth. Let me just point out, first of all, I want to mention three kinds of hardships are three ways in which he's commending himself as a soldier of Christ, as a warrior in Christ's kingdom. First of all, he talked about his physical hardships. For example, he says in verse 5, beatings, imprisonment. When he went to Philippi in Acts chapter 16, verse 22 we take up the story there, and it says the crowd joined in attacking them, that is the gospel messengers, and the magistrates tore their, tore their garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So the apostle was being beaten with rods. He says, I was, I was suffering beatings. This wasn't the only time he was beaten with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison. Remember, it was in prison that he and Silas began to sing hymns of praise to God. Their feet were in the stock, ordering, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. Well, he says that, uh, again, earlier, when he, he went to, uh, let's see, it's Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. He was stoned so bad they thought he was dead. They couldn't hardly detect any breath coming from him. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. Well, they gathered around him to pray, and Paul revived, and he didn't go the opposite direction. He went back into the city where he'd just been stoned. Talk about courage. Paul was a man of great courage and determination. Well, <clears throat> he talks about physical hardships. And then he talks about spiritual maturity in his life. How do we... He said, he, I'm commending myself to you. Look at my life. How do we serve you? By purity. 
by knowledge, by patience. Think about these things. Think about them in our own lives. Do we have purity? Do we have knowledge? Knowledge of the scriptures. Knowledge of theology. Knowledge of false doctrine that we need to confront. Patience. Kindness. The Holy Spirit. All these things, you see, were ministered in Paul and the apostles and through them. The Holy Spirit. Genuine love is not fake love. It's genuine. Truthful speech. They weren't trying to deceive anyone. They were truthful. And the power of God. What was the secret of their ministry of people being healed? Well, it wasn't human power. It was the power of God. With the weapons, I love this next phrase, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand. How do they fight? Weapons of righteousness on the right hand and left hand. Not with physical strength, not with weapons of war, but with weapons of righteousness. Righteousness that comes from the Word of God. And then he commends himself and his fellow apostles through slander and deprivation that they had experienced. In verse 8, he says, through honor and dishonor. We've been honored sometimes, and sometimes we've been dishonored. Through slander and praise, he'd experienced both. Slander and praise. Have you ever been slandered? You're not alone. The Apostle Paul was slandered. <laughs> okay. He was slandered, but all other times he was praised. We're treated as impostors, yet we're true. As unknown, yet we're well known. As dying, behold, we live. Apostle Paul came close to death several times. He said earlier in the Corinthian letter, we were just thinking we were going to die. We were in such such harsh trial. But God came and comforted us. And our hope was in God. And behold, he says, we live. We were close to death, but we're still alive. We're still going on. As punished. Yes, he was beaten with rods, stoned, but he wasn't killed. Apostle kept after. He had endurance and determination. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He experienced sorrow and his own afflictions, his own fears. Yet underlying all that was a greater power of rejoicing in the Lord Jesus by the power of the Spirit as poor yet making many rich apostle worked with his own hands much of his ministry supporting not only himself but other believers as having nothing maybe the cloak on the on their back yet possessing everything they possessed the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. That's everything. That's the only thing that's going to last, that's worth having, that's certainly worth giving our lives to. 
Let me give you an example of a modern day servant of Christ who follows a lot of this kind of characteristic of the Apostle Paul. I've been reading his autobiography. His name was Zenos, Zenos and Morel. He was a Baptist preacher who came to Texas about 1836, I don't remember the exact year, but he spent the rest of his life until he died at about age 80 in Texas helping form Baptist churches and forming associations of churches. Well, he experienced many hardships. I could tell you many, but I don't have time. Attacks from hostile Indians, from the Mexican army, and so forth. His own son was captured in a battle and taken to Mexican prison for two years. His wife was in such grievous condition over that that she died. He believes that was the cause of her death. He had another daughter that died. So he came to Texas because he felt God called him to come here and establish religion in this republic. He's talking about the Christian religion, right? And then when things began to settle down, a great host of settlers came from the east. And he knew that churches needed to be established for these people. So he labored long and hard in the cause of the gospel here in Texas. I remember reading uh, just the other day that he was serving three small congregations there in central Texas. And he had to go, I think it was to Houston for some reason. And these were small churches. And so the only support he had was from the churches. And so he had to go run this errand. He didn't have any money to pay the ferryman. So he decided not to say anything to anybody. <laughs> he just went. Because before the ferryman had let him go across free. But when he got there, and he didn't have any money, the ferryman, as they called him, the one who operated the ferry, got mad. Mm. And so Zenos gave him his coat. Mm. Gave him his coat and said, I'll pay you the rest that I owe you when I come back this way. So he went on to his destination, and there a brother in Christ gave him the money that he needed to get back across the river uh, and return to his home. But this is just an example. He was in a penniless condition. He lost his crops uh, six or seven years in a row. Uh, He worked hard to plant corn, and he lost it all for one reason or another. So these kinds of servants of the Lord Jesus Christ followed in the train of the Apostle Paul throughout church history and up to the present time. Well, uh, Paul goes on here. So he outlines, he commends, he commends his ministry and that of the fellow apostles as being a dedicated ministry of love, commitment, and service as a warrior for the kingdom of God. And then he goes on in this last section, verses 11 through 13, and he says to the Corinthians, We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us. 
but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children widen your hearts. So the, the third major idea that I want us to see here today is that some of these Corinthians needed to open up their hearts in response to Paul and his fellow servants in their love and sacrifice for them. It was like a one-sided show here. The apostle and his fellow servants were doing all the work and love and self-sacrifice, and some of those folks were not responding. Why would they be holding back their affection to the apostle Paul? Well, it could be, the major reason is they were holding it back from the Lord Jesus Christ. They hadn't committed themselves to Christ, so they didn't commit themselves to a active relationship with the apostle. Or maybe they, they had come to Christ, but they hadn't grown enough spiritually to recognize the privilege and responsibility that we have to love and support our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul was a, a mighty apostle and preacher and defender of the faith, but he was a man of love. He said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, writing to the Thessalonian church, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Being so affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. This is the kind of man the apostle was. He was a loving man who treasured these people in his heart. Well, the Corinthians needed to open wide, some of them, their closed hearts to the hard-working apostles' love for them. They might have said to these Corinthians, we've given up everything for you. We've done everything we could for your spiritual good. Oh, Corinthians, therefore, open up the affection of your hearts to us also. So what have we seen today? First of all, the apostle is exhorting some of the people there in Corinth to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today immediately. Don't delay. Don't hold back. And secondly, Paul and his fellow apostles' credentials, qualifications, in other words, of sacrificial service testified to their genuineness as true ministers of Christ. And then thirdly, he exhorts those reluctant Corinthians who needed to, to open up their hearts in response to Paul and his fellow servants' love and sacrifice on their behalf. Respond in like manner. So Paul appeals 
to certain people in Corinth not to receive the grace of God in vain, but to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as they open wide their hearts to Paul and the other apostles whose strenuous ministries validated their unreserved commitment to Jesus Christ and his church. Well, let me draw a few conclusions from this passage today. First of all, let us be thankful for the grace of God that worked so wonderfully and powerfully in the apostles and in the lives of other God-called men throughout Christian history, such as Brother Zenos Morel here in Texas, who faithfully delivered the gospel message in spite of intense hardship and even persecution. You see, our faith is built not only on the suffering and blood and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but our faith has been declared and preserved by men who paid a heavy price with their own sweat and blood down through the ages. Secondly, we must seek to follow the examples of these self-sacrificing and godly apostles in our own lives, our own ministries today, as we share the gospel with other people, as we proclaim the gospel, as we minister to others in Jesus' name. Apostle told Timothy one time, he said, Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, wherein ever the Apostle Paul was following Jesus Christ, we need to follow Paul. <laughs> whatever he did, whatever attitudes he had, we need to follow him because he's leading us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thirdly, think about the three words that I used at the beginning here to describe the life of Paul the Apostle. Love, commitment, and self-sacrifice. Our service to Christ must be a labor of love to him and to his people, the church. We must be absolutely committed to the Lord Jesus Christ to serve him and by his grace to do his will in our own lives. We must be willing to put our lives on the altar of self-sacrifice, not counting the personal cost to ourselves, but giving up all things, taking up our cross, and following Jesus in whatever he might have us to do to pour out our lives for his glory on the earth. The Apostle Paul and his companions were true warriors, soldiers for Christ. They used spiritual weapons, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, and so forth. They were heroic soldiers, unselfish soldiers, loving soldiers. You see, it's not an option. Our Christian lives. We've been called to live a life of self-sacrifice. 
It's not an option for us to imitate whether we want to follow, follow the apostles' example or not. The scriptures call us to do that. This is our calling today in 2020. To follow the Apostle Paul in his life of love and self-sacrifice and commitment as he followed Christ. These are our marching orders. So let's pursue the will of God wholeheartedly and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There was once an Anglican missionary who served God in the late 1700s and early 1800s, named Henry Martin. He translated. He went to Asia. He translated the New Testament into Urdu, one of the major languages there in Asia, and Persian language. And he once said, famous words, let me burn out for God. He died at age 31 on the foreign field. He, he got sick. Well, we should not foolishly endanger our own health, but we should offer up our lives as a living flame of light for the Lord Jesus Christ to be used in his service as he may see fit for each of our lives. So let's go forth to pursue the will of God for each of our lives, remembering that Jesus gave up his life for us. He despised the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. So let us endure hardship as good soldiers of Christ, as fellow warriors with Paul and the other apostles. We only have one life to live. We don't know how long it will be, but let's make the best of it for Christ's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how blessed we are to read about the service of the Apostle Paul, his love, his commitment, his dedication. What marvelous and great things you do in the life of a human being to transform us, to conform us into the image of Christ, the supreme servant of you, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, thank you for these men who gave up their lives to establish the gospel to found churches. And throughout history, Lord, we find similar men of dedication and service. And we pray that in our own day, we might follow in this train and be men and women who are dedicated to a ministry of love, commitment, and service to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.